Pastor Mike told me that you've been exploring topics or questions this summer. And he, I said, well, what topic do I get? And he said, why don't, here's, here's the question somebody asked. What is heaven like? How many of you have ever asked that question? It's okay, you can raise your hands. Or you can say, no, I never have given that a thought ever in my life. It's, it's okay. I, uh, I have to confess something to you. I don't, I don't really like sermons. I was trying to count the other day just how many I've probably done in, in the last 40 years, and it's you know, somewhere upwards of 3,000 some sermons. And I realized I don't really like sermons. You know why? Because you never get to talk back. You never really get to ask a question. You don't get to like raise your hand and say, hey, wait, slow down. I, did, I, did, I missed that. What was that text again? I always feel like it's just... Sermons are a one-way street, and, and you don't get to talk. So here was what we're going to do this morning. Just for a moment, as we start talking a little bit about what is heaven like, I expect, even if you didn't raise your hand a few moments ago, that you have some questions. So what we're going to do is I'm going to ask you to ask the question you have about heaven. And I'm going to give you an answer in 60 seconds or less to your question. So we're only going to do seven. And I thought about that too. We're not going to do 12. We're not going to do 40. We're not going to do 70 times seven. We're only going to do seven. So seven questions from you about what your questions are about heaven. And then I'll give you the short answer. Okay, are you ready? What's your, what's your question? And by the way, it's got to be a good question. <laughs> yes, ma'am. What was he talking about? So when Jesus said, in my Father's house are many dwelling places, and I go there to prepare a place for you, John chapter 14, right? And then he says, and if I go there to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be there with me. You know what that means? It means you have a room with your name on it in heaven reserved for you. It means heaven is a place. It's like a place. It's like we're going to be somewhere. Okay, next question. Oh, come on. Well, I got yes, sir, Bill. Yeah. But I also read that there's no anxiety in heaven. I can't imagine being yeah. looking down on my children and not having anxiety. So. I agree. You know what I really hope? That they're not looking down on us. I really hope that. Because I've, I've thought about that. I've thought about my dad looking down on me. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, dad. But really, <laughs> I really want to say what I should be saying is, oh my gosh, maybe I shouldn't even say it that way. God, I'm sorry. Because he's the one looking down. All those other folks, and you read all the, the little images in heaven, uh, pictures of people in heaven, you don't get a sense that they're focused here. They're focused somewhere else. Really very well focused somewhere else. My personal opinion, because the scripture doesn't speak to it as it doesn't speak to a lot of things, is they're not looking down on us. Because I think there would be tears and sorrows and, and, and frustration and fears and anger and like, what in the world are you thinking kind of stuff. And... I don't believe that's in heaven because the scripture is very clear on that. Okay, we got five more. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Matthew 22. Yeah, good question. Some people are really, really, really hoping that they see their husband in heaven. Others aren't so excited about that. 
You know, it's like, it'll be fine if he's way on the other side. I know he's there. We'll be okay. But the, so, yeah, that's an honest question that we ask a lot. And Jesus responded to that when he said to the Sadducees, you don't really know the scripture, he says, because if you knew the scripture, you'd know there's no giving in marriage or receiving in marriage, right? So he's saying it's going to be way different. What he doesn't say and what we don't find in scripture is whether or not we will know that other person. We really, really think we will. We really want to. But here is the point. It's not going to matter that much because the focus is going to be so real. And if your husband is there, if your wife is there, if your kids are there, don't we want them to be there? Absolutely. And that's the point. You work really hard to make sure he, they are there. And then you wait and see what the reunion is like because there's going to be a big, big crowd. It might take you a while to find your way through the crowd. And find, but the focus is going to be there, not there there. It, re it really is. That's, that's the whole thing we get from Scripture. So in other words, we don't have a full answer, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Next question. We got, four, we got four more? Yeah, really quick. Is that all? Lily. So what are you going to do besides worship? Okay, and we're going to touch on this in just a minute. Um, Worship. Think about that. Think about worship. It's going to be unlike anything you can possibly imagine. It's going to be nothing like what we've experienced here. We only have a glimpse, tiny glimpse, of what worship is about. But you know what? Uh, there will be a lot of worship. You read, look at those seven some vignettes of heaven in the book of Revelation. You know what the focus is on the Lamb. It's all on the Lamb on the throne. That's what it's all about. There will not be an effort to make worship happen. It will be so natural, automatic, a free-flowing kind of response to the living Lord on the throne. That's the picture of heaven that we get. Uh, is there something else to do? Revelation 22.3. Jesus says, or it says, we will serve Him. So there will be a job. So you get to go to worship, and then you get to go dig ditches. I told him, I love playing in the dirt. Just give me a shovel. I'll be fine. As long as I'm in heaven, I'll dig ditches for you. But there, if that's a service, actually. But you, there will be service. So there, there's going to be several things going on. It's going to be loud, cacophonous, fun, crazy, goofy, serious, um, awesome, if I can use that word. I don't use that word very often because it's way overused. Okay, it's my 60 seconds. A few more questions. About heaven, James. <laughs> yeah, a whole bunch of dumb sheep. <laughs> me and a bunch of the rest of us saying, just lead me, Lord. Will there, will there be animals? Will there be sheep? You know what? I'll just say this. The scripture is not clear. Um, I know, I saw the movie too. Well, all dogs go to heaven. Man, it doesn't matter. Um, Revelation, uh, Revelation, Romans. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verses 17 and following, that all creation groans awaiting redemption. The writer of the Revelation, John, says in chapter 20, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. When God created the earth, he put some really cool stuff, like all the animals. Adam got to name them. And so that means he was probably personal friends with them. I don't know how that works, but all things are going to be made new. Will there be sheep? Will there be the dogs? Will there be all that? I don't really know because the scripture is not clear, but there are some hints 
that what God made that's beautiful and precious and wonderful and special and that brings delight and life and joy, there's a good chance all of that will be part of the experience. Okay, two more. Yes. You know what? That's a great question. I heard somebody say one time, I've worked all my life. I don't want to have a job in heaven. I want to retire and be done with work, right? And you use the words depressing and laborious. That's an honest question. Thank you for asking that. Let's look at it like this. Uh, Isaiah went into the temple, and he just fell on his knees and said, God, I need to see you. And you know what he saw? A vision. He said, I saw this throne and I saw billowing smoke, and I saw God high and lifted up on the throne, and his train, his robes filled the temple, and I saw cherubim, seraphim, I saw, and they had six wings, and they were fluttering about, and all of a sudden, I start getting chill bumps, and I say, are you kidding? That's amazing. There's nothing about that that's anything other than awe-inspiring. Now, will there be things to do? Yep. Will we be hanging out with a bunch of people? Yep. Do we really know what all we're going to be doing? Nope. But is it going to be something? And I, here's what I want you to read. Here's your assignment. Read the first chapter of Ezekiel. Ezekiel said, and I saw the heavens open, and this is what I saw. And in the next 27 verses, he tries to describe what he saw. And if you can explain to me what he saw, then you'll be further down the road than anybody else I know. He talks about wheels turning and wheels within wheels, and he talks about creatures flying around. He talks about creatures with different heads and faces, and he talks about, and, and you kind of wonder, wow, what's he been up to that he had this kind of vision? But it's an incredible, incredible, awe-inspiring kind of thing that's beyond our possible imagination. So that's a good question. But we ought to think about how the Scripture says, ooh, it's not going to be what you think. It's going to be big, overwhelming, crazy, and indescribable. Wow, that makes me kind of excited just to see what it's going to be. Okay, one more question. Good question. Yes, sir. Everybody who has given himself, herself, themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith will be there. Everybody. Everybody. Once again, that's good motivation for you and me to say to our kids, to our spouse, to our, our friends, hey, come with me. Come with me. There's a book that's referred to several times in the Old Testament and several times by Jesus and in the book of Revelation in the New Testament. It's called the Book of Life. And the scripture says everybody whose name is written in the Book of Life will be there. Jesus says in Matthew 25, you who have been faithful, enter into the reward which has been prepared from you since the prepared for you since the beginning. Uh, Paul says, I've, I've run the race, and now I'm ready for the crown of righteousness, which has been laid up before me. That's in 2 Timothy 4. And he says, I expect there to be something that says, welcome home for everyone who follows Christ. Will our family be there? If each of them has said, each of them individually said, Lord Jesus, I don't understand. I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm putting my hope in you. That person will be in the book of life, especially if that person has said, I went, and I'm going to follow you all my life. So who will be there? Everyone who said, Lord Jesus, I trust you. I don't, get, I don't know what happens after death. 
but I trust you, and I'll get there. And then it's just going to be something. Okay, well, let's, let's talk a little bit further about this business of heaven. Uh, you have your Bible? Do you have a Bible with you? Most of you have a phone, right? You know what the one, well, actually, you can take notes on your phone, <clears throat> right? So if you have a piece of paper, you can write, and I really strongly encourage you to do that because we're going to look at a couple of texts of Scripture that you think, oh, that's not about heaven. Oh, yes, it is. And I'll just mention them to you now. Philippians chapter 3 and Colossians chapter 3. Okay, so you'll, you'll just want to kind of have those handy. We're going to look at a lot of other texts, but you'll kind of want to look at those again because they have something very specific to say about this business of heaven. What is heaven like? I just have to tell you, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's way beyond what I could ever begin to imagine. Who all is going to be there? People who follow Jesus. That's all I can say. Have so many other questions we have. And thank you for those seven questions. I hope we got them all within 60 seconds. But let's look at the book. Let's look and see what we find in this book. Because this is where we got to start. This is where we have to go every time. By the way, you're not going to become an angel when you get to heaven. Just There's no scriptural basis to that. Um, you're not going to sit on a cloud, probably. Might once in a while, but there's probably not clouds aren't going to make it that far. So um, that God's going to be the sun and Jesus is going to be the moon, and there's not going to be any need for the sun and the moon. So it's just going to be way different. So just don't try to press a whole lot of what we think about into heaven because we just don't know. We don't have any earthly idea. Are we going to eat there? Somebody asked me that. Yep. Well, I don't know. There's going to be a big feast. You know what I hope? Remember the movie uh, Hook? with uh, Robin Williams. You remember that big feast they had that just kind of appeared out of nowhere because it was in their imagination? Remember that? Okay, great, great fun story. And they, they, they started eating, the, and it was all desserty kind of stuff, and I thought, yeah, it's, it's so sickly sweet. But it, I mean, they thought it was good because they were Lost Boys, of course. And so here they are eating, but that feast came sort of out of their imagination. And I want to think, whatever the feast is in heaven, isn't going to be just a matter of something out of my imagination. I'm really looking forward to chicken fried steak like they do it in Texas. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wish you hadn't said that. Did you know what he just said? Wouldn't they just be gluttony? Yeah, that's a great question. I, you know what? Now I'm worried. I hadn't thought about gluttony before. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to say, if it's all there, and if he says, eat, then I'm just going to eat. <laughs> is it going to be gluttony? I, uh, here's how I'll put it this way. Gluttony is self-serving, right? Gluttony is just overdoing. Gluttony is just going beyond. I don't think those impulses will be there. I think the feast is a whole lot more about celebration and about enjoying the fullness of God's riches of grace and mercy and love and compassion. And that feast idea is something that we latch onto that makes sense for us in terms of celebration. That's a good question. I'm going to have to think about that. Now I am kind of worried because I don't want to be gluttonous, but I do want to think about <clears throat> how that works. <clears throat> okay. I, well, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think the impulse to really overdo for the sake of self is going to be there. I just think there'll be some kind of disciplined <laughs> control. Or maybe when I get to the point where that's enough, the table gets cleared. Okay. Wow, well, 
okay, I'll be back later. All right, but let's, let's think about this. Because, because, because of the good questions that come up, we, we really don't, um, we don't really have good solid answers for a lot about heaven. And we really don't want to impress on the view of heaven what we understand or what we want it to be. We let the scripture say what it says, which is not a whole lot. And the Bible doesn't really give us clear picture. It gives us glimpses, enough of a story. And that's what we want to think about. The Bible, actually, is the story of salvation. The Bible really is a story about God. The Bible is a story about how God reaches people who are lost, uncertain, fearful, scared, not feeling good about themselves, not feeling good about where they're going. This Bible is a story about God reaching us. It's a story of salvation. It's a story of how we can know this God personally. This Bible is also a story about how saved people then ought to live in this world. It's not our, our big book of secret answers, our big book of spiritual answers. It's a story of salvation. So we, we have to be a little bit careful that we don't impress even too much upon the Scripture to make it more than what it is. And that is our, that is our uh, responsibility and our freedom to just make sure that we don't expect a clear-cut answer to every question we have. Heaven gives us glimpses. It lets, the story about heaven in the Bible just lets us peek behind the curtain, but not see the full story. It's enough to know that there's more. It's enough to know that we are not done when we're done here. And that's what the Scripture lets us see. This is not all there is. And that to know it will be something. That picture of Isaiah in the kingdom, Isaiah or in the temple, as he sees that vision, Isaiah chapter 6, Ezekiel in chapter 1, as he defines, tries to describe what he sees, and it's incomprehensible. We don't even know what he's really describing. It's just beyond what we can say in words. It's Paul who says, hey, you know, I know this guy who was caught up in the third heaven. You remember that out of 2 Corinthians chapter 12? He's, he was talking about himself, and he said, I don't really want to brag, but I was caught up in the third heaven. And we go, what? Third what? Third heaven? How does that work? It's not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. Paul just mentions it. And we go, oh my goodness, I, have, I don't know what he's talking about. But I know that there's something there. And he saw it. In fact, he says, and hey, you guys, I saw stuff that I can't talk about. And we go, thanks a lot, Paul. I kind of really wish you'd said a bit more. All you said was, and even Jesus said, I can't tell you a whole lot more. In fact, I'm not going to tell you a whole lot more. You know why? Because you probably couldn't handle it. You probably really just couldn't wrap around it. In fact, if you thought you had all the details, you probably wouldn't be very interested because it's like, okay, I can check that one off. We get a glimpse behind the curtain, and we see that the Bible lets us know that there is more. We do understand the Bible, that the heavens is the dwelling place of God. What are we, what's the very first phrase in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples when they said, Lord, teach us how to pray? He said, pray this way. Our Father, who, wait, who are, where? Okay, okay, there you go. That's, that's pretty close. It's where God is, where God dwells, where God reigns and rules. That's, that's heaven. Okay. Uh, it's a place for believers. It's a place. It's something. It's not tangible. I don't, well, it's, it's the most tangible. It's the most real. It's beyond this 
um, thin veneer that we live here with in this world that seems real, that will be the real, real place. But Jesus does say, I got a place for you. I got a room reserved for you. Your name's on the door. And it's just like when, when you are traveling and you, you call ahead to the hotel and you make a reservation, they give you a confirmation number and they say, this is your room. It'll be ready for you when you get here. Jesus says, here's your room. It'll be ready for you when you get here. And I'm fixing it up for you. It's going to be really, you know, if he's doing the interior, interior decorating, it's going to be pretty good, I think. No, no, it might be really simple. It might be just a table and a candle and a chair. I, I don't know. It might be really simple. But it will be enough. It will be enough because it's your place and it's there. So that's what we do with the Bible. We just don't demand that it say more than it says. By the way, <clears throat> since I was looking this up, how many books? I, I first became aware of this uh, movement of the near-death or after-death experiences where people come back and talk about their views of heaven. You remember that? You remember Embraced by the Light? You have to remember back to 1993 to be aware of that book. But that was a big splash. Everybody, this woman said, I went to heaven, then I came back, and this is what I saw. You know, there's been all kinds of books, well over 40 major books, and hundreds, thousands maybe of smaller writings and monographs and other stuff on heaven. What's the most recent one? About 2014, that made a big splash. This little kid went to heaven, came back, made a movie about it, and then they made a sequel about it, and then later he rebutted it and said none of it happened. What was that one all about? Remember? What was that? What was the name of that? Heaven is for real. Yes. And later, um, the, the, the father didn't want to give up on it, but the kid said, no, it didn't really happen. It's not really true. And, and so here's the thing. If all the writings about heaven and the books about heaven and the movies about heaven are bigger than your Bible, then you probably ought to take them with a grain of salt because the Bible only has about this much about heaven. Enough for you and me to know that there's more and that we aim towards that and our awareness of it affects how we live on this earth. So we're going to think about that a little bit. Two things I want to suggest to you as we think about heaven that are really important. And the first one is this. Uh, and I was reminded of this as we, as we listened to, especially the, the last song on the video a moment ago. We live in a world that's really busted up right? Really broken. Really uh, a lot of strife, a lot of division, a lot of hurt, a lot of frustration, a lot of uncertainty, a lot. We don't know who's coming and going. We don't, we don't really know what's going on in this world because it is so broken. And we are so worried about everything. Some people are so worried about everything they can't think of anything else but the stuff that they're worried about or the worry that they have about all the stuff that they're worried about. Some people are just lost in that worry, fear, uncertainty, unwillingness to even be able to get out of that, out of that mess. The biblical teaching about heaven is, hey, you don't have to live there. You don't have, you, you will, you will find yourself struggling all the time. But heaven will remind you, this biblical understanding of heaven will remind you that there is more that you're not stuck here, that this is not the end, that all the stuff you can't fix is not the end. That is the glimpse of heaven we get in Scripture, that it tugs on us, it pulls us, it reminds us. We feel the press of time. 
oh my goodness, I feel, I, I trudged up. How many of you have been up La Luz Trail uh, on, on, on Sandia? Okay, I trudged up La Luz Trail yesterday. It was beautiful, it was incredible, but I really felt the press of time, like the last 70 years of time. I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know how, if I can do this, but we live with that, don't we? Every day they're clicking by, clicking by, clicking by, and we realize time is fleeting. And what if this is it? And the Bible says, mm -mm, this is not it. This is not the end for you. And we get nearsighted and weighed down with all the stuff. And this is the message. Look up. Look beyond. Press on. Do not be weighed down and destroyed by what you have here. Paul says it in Corinthians. We are, we are beaten up, but we're not destroyed. We are pressed down, but this is not the end. We understand that there's an eternal weight of glory that so exceeds, far transcends this temporary moment of affliction. So much more to come. And that's what we get from the scripture. Be ready because there's something more coming. How many of you know old gospel songs? Okay. <sighs> Once again, like I said, I feel the press of time. And I was thinking back, so this, you know what songs have been going through my head this week as I thought about heaven? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Uh, my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me. Do you know this old song? You don't know this song. <laughs> the angels beckon me from heaven's open door. Lord, I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I like that old, that's an old gospel. It was written in 1923, even way before me. It was a song written by an old gospel hymn writer that said, you know, I, I understand I'm here, I'm here for a while, but I'm not here forever. And when I die, I'm not done. There's more to come. And that's what the biblical, when we say, what's heaven like? I say, I don't know. It's going to be something. But here's the point. It's going to be something. And it's going to be beyond my imagination. And I don't have a lot of answers, but I know that all I've lived through at this point is not the end. And so I sing that old song once in a while. Oh, Lord, you know, say what? And it'll be forever. Yeah. There's an eternal aspect to heaven that you and I don't even get. Think about heaven sometimes and think about eternity. And then your brain somewhere just has to say, okay, I can't. I can't go there. All I want to know is this. I want to be there for eternity and nowhere else, right? I want to be there for eternity. So I get buried under everyday stuff just like you do, and I have to remind myself every day, this is not the end. I don't want to forget that heaven beckons to me and says, keep going, keep going, keep facing, keep dealing, keep addressing, keep looking at what you're looking at, keep at it. And if you feel like you've been beaten up to the point you can't survive, keep going. Or do this, sit still for a moment and say, Lord, just remind me that this isn't it. This isn't all. Just remind me of that. Let me look in your book and be reminded. What did Jesus say to the thief on the cross? Today, you'll be with me where? In paradise. In the Greek word, paradisos. I mean, it's a transliteration. That's where we get the word. It means a garden. It means, and think about this, living in the high desert. Cool. Moist, <laughs> there will be a little rain, green, and whatever else you need to make it paradise. 
Yeah, Cindy. On both sides. Yeah. Right. Uh, indescribably delicious. That sounds like a commercial. We should probably put that together. So that's in the book of Revelation, right? Right at the end of the book of Revelation. Right at the end, those, those last chapters where it talks about the new heaven and the new earth and the, and the river. And, of course, the way that the writer of the Apocalypse, of the book of Revelation, describes it. <clears throat> he uses words that made a whole lot of sense to him. He talks about gems and jewels. He talks about gold and golden streets. He talks about the trees. He talks about the river. All that stuff made a lot of sense to him because he lived in the desert too. Well, actually, he was stuck on an island far away from home and family. <clears throat> but he understood desert. He understood dry. He understood difficulty. Uh, he understood it as much as anybody. And he said, no, someday the sea's going to be gone. I'm going to be back at home, and I'm going to be there, and it's going to be all it needs to be because I didn't design it. God did. Yeah, exactly right. Everything made new and set right. Everything set right. When the writer of the Revelation says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth coming down, what he's saying is, you remember how the garden was when God first created it? It's going to be that again. The created intent, the first idea that God had when he said, ooh, I like this. Remember how he said over and over, this is good. I like this. And he put people in there and he said, I even like these people. I know they're probably going to mess up, but I love them anyway. And I really want to hang out with them. God doesn't need us. He doesn't need heaven. He doesn't need earth. He doesn't need any of it. But he says, I'm going to do this for them. And I want them to be with me. The new heaven and the new earth is that, where we are restored to that place that he originally intended. And everything is made right, finally made right. What is heaven like? It's that. No more sadness, no more tears, no more pain, no more frustration. But here's the point. Here's the point, my friends. Don't, oh my goodness, is it 12? We've got to stop in a minute. I still got one more really important point to make. <laughs> make it. Just think, think about this for a moment. You can debate heaven all day long. You can think about what it means, what it doesn't mean, how it works. You know, the questions we all ask. Here's what matters. Get there. Here's what matters. Be ready. Here's what matters. Flail about all you want on this earth, but put your hope in Jesus, the risen Lord. Put your hope in Jesus, the Son of God. Put your hope in Jesus where there's no other hope. There is no other hope. There's no other hope. Be ready. Man, I pray to God. And, and honestly, sometimes I wander through life and I do dumb stuff and I say, Oh God, I just really want to make sure my name's in the book of life. And he says, just shut up and just keep... Oh, he doesn't say shut up. But he does say, hey, just get on with it. And I say, when those books are open, read it. Read it near the end of the book of Revelation. When the book is open and the names are read, I say, Lord, I, I don't know what else, but I want my name to be there. And I want my kids' names to be there. I want my grandbabies to be there. And I want, I want all the people I can take to be there with me, with us, with you. Lord, that's what I want. What's the point of thinking about heaven and the fact that it lifts us up a little bit out of the morass of where we live in this world? 
It's that we make sure we get there. And we make sure by saying, Lord Jesus, I put my trust in you. And I'll say this to you. If you haven't done that, if you're still kind of wishy-washy about that, if you're still kind of saying, ah, I don't know, I didn't make a lot of sense, I don't really care, I will say to you, it does make a lot of sense, and you must care, and you must make a decision about Jesus and not dawdle. Don't wait. Don't put it off. If you haven't decided to put your faith in Jesus, I say to you, beloved friends, don't wait. You have this moment. You do not have another moment guaranteed. And heaven in the scripture reminds us of that. Don't wait. But there's one other thing I want to mention to you, and this is the other point I need to make, which I'll make really quickly because we gotta, we got to hurry, is this. <clears throat> Look at Philippians chapter 3. I mentioned that there would be two texts. When Paul wrote Philippians, he was thinking about heaven. And in chapter 3, he says, by the way, folks, I want to tell you that everything I've done in this world doesn't really matter. I want to tell you that everything I've earned in this world doesn't really matter. All my heritage and legacy and the special person that I am doesn't matter. He says, I have left everything behind in order to follow Jesus and to know the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, to know him. I've left everything behind to know him. And forgetting what lies behind, I press onward to the high calling. This is in Philippians chapter 3. So listen to this. He said, I I'm not there yet. This is verse 12. I've not obtained it yet. I've not already become completed. I will someday, and that's in heaven. That's what he's talking about. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. I, I don't regard myself, myself as having laid hold of it yet. I'm not there but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind. And I reach forward to what lies ahead. I reach forward. I let this business of moving into the future pull me forward. So have this same attitude. If you have a different attitude, God will show that to you, he says in verse 15. But keep living by that same standard to which we've all attained. And then he says, so follow the example you, you got from me. And I've told you, there are a lot of people who are weeping, who are enemies of the cross, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, maybe they're all gluttons, whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. And then listen to what he says. For our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. We're already citizens. That's where our highest loyalty belongs. That's where we strive to measure up, to be citizens of heaven on this earth and to look like it. So people say, hey, what's up with you? And you say, well, I'm a citizen of heaven. And they go, what does that mean? Then you get to tell them. That's how that works, by the way. If you ever have trouble sharing your faith with somebody, just when they say, well, what's up with you? You say, well, I'm a citizen of heaven. They say, you're crazy. And you say, well, maybe. But let me tell you what that means. Then you get to tell them what that means. I follow Jesus, I believe Jesus has given me eternal life, and I'm going to be with him forever, someplace. That's really a very simple gospel message. You can say that anywhere you go to anybody you know. It's not really that hard to do. But that's what Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Just read that. Mark 
Philippians chapter 3. Let that chapter be a, a, a text that guides you in these days. So, several things. And, and I'm going to come back to a couple of questions that were asked. Uh, what do we do there? Well, well the writer of, of the book of Revelation says there, there will be stuff to do. Uh, the, the Lamb says, Jesus says, Revelation 22, verse 3, uh, you will serve me. And you go, serve you? Wait, 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 wait. What does that mean? Well, let me tell you this. When you realize that the Lord Jesus Christ went to the cross and died for you in spite of your utter unworthiness and the fact that you deserve, uh, maybe make that first person plural, we deserve only death. And Jesus says, I'm going to rescue from that. I'm going to rescue you. When we step into his presence, when we walk through the gate, and I often think about that, what's that going to be like when I walk through the gate? Oh, I generally start crying when I think about that. Because I'm going to fall on my knees and say, I don't, I don't deserve to be here, but I'm putting myself totally in your hands. And he's going to say, stand up. And I'm going to give you a hug. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. And you know what? I don't know what else I'm going to do. You remember uh, Bart Millard's song, I Can Only Imagine? I can only imagine. I might dance. I might fall on my face. I might sing. I might be silent. I, might, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I do know this. My whole heart and soul will be wrapped up in saying to him, thank you. Thank you. And that's when I'll say, what do you need me to do? And he's going to say, well, you're here to serve and worship. You're here to learn. You remember the best parts of school when you went to class and you studied something and all of a sudden the idea came clear and you went, aha, Eureka. I think Kevin's going to have a lot of Eureka moments. Are we going to get to watch the creation uh, video reruns? I hope so. I don't even think it's going to be on VHS. I think it's going to be on something really new. Because, you know, those are, that's old, old school stuff. I think he's going to have something really, up, really cool. I, don't, I think I want to see how the dinosaurs happen. But it doesn't really matter. That's just going to be a little piece of saying to him, thank you. How can I, how can I serve you? Because he says, that's, that's what you get to do. But you're going to love it. It's not going to be drudgery. I guarantee you. The upward calling, Paul says. It's not what you've done here. It's your citizenship in heaven. So start doing the work of heaven now. Serve him now. That rehearse the serving. What can you do today? Is he giving you something to do? Do it. Has he given, put some person in your life? Love that person. Has he given you some challenge right now today that's really tough? Meet it. Has he allowed you to be in a place where you can serve other people? Serve. Is opportunity come along for you to do something? And God says, yeah. That is for my kingdom. I like it. Do it. Rehearse serving, because guess what? Part of eternity, part of heaven, is going to be serving. It's going to be the best. I tell you, the serving here is going to be tedious and drudgery sometimes. Not there. Not there. So rehearse the serving. And, and you know, Paul says in Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, okay, don't set your mind on earthly things. Keep your mind and your eyes set on heavenly things. 
And then in the rest of those verses, I'll just call it out to you, all the way down through verse 14. If you want a clue about how to serve or how to be involved, how to be following and doing what Jesus wants you to do that you'll probably be doing in heaven forever, read Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 14. And there you go. There'll be a bunch of clues right there about loving, serving, humility, uh, not putting yourself above others. Um, you'll find it all right there. Anyway, let's move on from there. Rehearse the serving, rehearse the worship. Because there is going to be worship. And it's going to be worship unlike you and I have ever known. I don't know if there will be a worship band. I kind of hope there is because I want to be in it. And I, I hope there's also a worship orchestra because I want to be in that too. I kind of hope there's a worship big band because I want to be in that. I just think, you know, I, I want to be in the, I also want to be in the choir because I think there's going to be a choir, I think. There's a multitude of heaven, and, and there's all kinds of folks there. There's got to be some singing of some kind. I want to be in that. Because if you've ever been part of a band or been in a choir, and it's really cool, you only got a glimpse of what it's going to be like in heaven. But here's the point. Rehearse the worship. I'm going to tell you right now, worship is not just music. And if you think, when, when we hear it all the time, I, I go to a church and I really love the worship, somebody says. And what they mean is I like the music. <coughs> worship is a whole lot more than music, a whole lot more. I'll give you this little hint. When you see the word in Scripture, worship, it's the translation of a Greek word that means bending the knee. In fact, the Greek word is pros, which means forward, and kuneo, kuneo, K-N-E, U-O. K-N-E. Same word we get our English word knee from. It means bending the knee forward. Worship is being overwhelmed by the presence. By the presence. It's being so aware that he's here and he's spoken to me and he's reaching for me. He's touching me. He's calling to me. And, and I am in his presence. That's worship. It's way beyond what we typically style as worship in our churches and in our church meetings. Way beyond. What we get is a tiny little glimmer. <clears throat> and if you like the worship, concert worship format, that's perfectly fine, but just keep this in mind. Worship in heaven is going to be a whole lot more, and it's going to be you and me mostly on our knees in the presence of the Lamb. Read through the book of Revelation. You'll find worship happening seven times, little vignettes from heaven. Every time the focus is on the Lamb. <clears throat> not on music, not on the preaching, not on anything else. It's on the Lamb. That's going to be worship. Rehearse that here. When you say, I'm going to worship, focus on the Lamb. Focus on the Lord Jesus. And the final thing is this. When you're thinking about heaven, <clears throat> think about taking people with you. You know what's going to happen when you get there is you're going to want to see people. You're going to really hope that there are others here. How do you do that? Well, you tell people. And you take people with you. You take people. Now is the time for you and me to say, you know what? It doesn't matter. <clears throat> I need to take some Democrats with me. I didn't hear anybody say amen. I need to take some Republicans with me. Okay, good. There you go. I need to take some other people. I need to take people of all colors. What does the scripture say? Every tribe and every nation, right? Make no distinction. Make no distinction about color. I'll say this. I need to take some people who live under the rainbow flag with me there. 
And it means I need to love them. I need to make friends with them. I need to care about them. I need to serve them. And I need to say, hey, come with me. We're going someplace. That's everybody. That's people you know, people you haven't met yet, people you like, people you don't like, people you disagree with. Every tribe, every nation. Right now, practice serving, practice worshiping, and get on with taking people with you. Tell people, because how else are they going to hear? How else are people going to know that there's something more waiting if you don't tell them? That's got to happen. Let's pray together. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.